this, 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 this show is brought to you by Safety FM. The Jay Allen Show is streaming now on safetyfm.live. Hello and welcome to a new episode of The Jay Allen Show. Today's March the 31st of 2020. Originally, this episode was scheduled to come out on Friday of last week due to some technical issues where we're unable to release it. Anyways, I hope everything's going well with you and yours. So with everything going on across the world currently, I wanted to jump directly in, have this conversation with you and get rolling right away. Today's interview is with Drew Hinton. Drew is currently a director of safety for Industrial Service Solution Process Equipment Services Group, overseeing the EHS professionals at five operating companies across the United States. So today I wanted to jump in, have a conversation with Drew to talk a little bit about everything about him, what's going on in the world currently, and his perspective on what's going on. So I don't want to waste a lot of your time, so let's get this rolling here on The Jay Allen Show. Drew, welcome to the show. Good morning. Drew, how are you? Good. How are you, sir? Oh, pretty good. Don't, don't do the sir thing. It throws me off. I think my <laughs> father's in the room. <laughs> I hear that a lot. <laughs> so how are things in your neck of the woods? Uh, they're, they're steady. They're Luckily, in the county that I'm in, they are. Um, we don't have any confirmed cases of the COVID-19, but every county around us is, has some, so it's starting to, starting to creep up on us. Got it. Got what it. About got you? It. Uh, well, I'm in Orlando, so okay. <laughs> you can already imagine on what the cluster is here. Right. Uh, it's just one of those things that, of course, people tend to come here because of the sun, and there's a lot more people coming in, and people are freaking out, not sure. And then, of course, spring break, they didn't have, they had pretty much everything open, so they were right. not sure if that was good, bad, or indifferent because they want to help the economy. But I think they might have just started a cluster without realizing. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So I want to tell you, originally when I contacted you, as you are aware, we had went back and forth. You had been posting quite a bit on social media. So I was interested in a lot of the stuff that you were doing. So the original intent was to have you on and discuss your career and go through that whole thing. But we're kind of in a small, different world at this particular moment. So we talk a little bit about everything if you're okay with that. Sure. Let's go. So the way that I look at it is I look at it this way. We can start off with what impacts are you seeing? in your area, as you were already discussing. Hmm. So the area that you're in, and I know that you're kind of in several different fields at the same time too. Are you hearing or seeing something that is not being reported on the media or are you seeing stuff kind of at a different perspective? Um, I mean, there's a few things that are not getting reported on the media. Um, I've got a, a, a several physicians that I'm, I'm friends with that work in the ER departments at various hospitals around the area and also I've been doing a, an ongoing research project on the COVID-19. So I've been talking to um, different epidemiologists and toxicologists across the country. But one of the biggest things that I've seen, at least in our area, is that uh, the misconception that there are enough tests, um, and which is for our area, like right now, it's, it's completely not true. Every ER physician I've talked to, they said they, they're having to triage and pick who they want to test and who they're not going to test. Um, so that's, that's crucial for, you know, businesses to understand, do you need to just take the two weeks or 14 days self-quarantine at home, or do you need to go to get the test? So the way the kind of the media is portraying it on some, some outlets, I should say, not all of them, but some media outlets will tell you, you know, if you think you have symptoms, go ahead and get tested, which, um, is, is in my opinion is not the best option. Um, a lot of the, the more, uh, 
the, the sources that I really rely on that are more factual will tell you that don't go get tested unless you're having severe trouble, you know, difficulty breathing, you're in a high risk category and you're experiencing all the symptoms. Um, around here, the, at least the state of Kentucky is pretty, they're pretty strict and they're very, um, in my opinion, very proactive. Um, Governor Bashir has been, you know, noted on several news outlets as being some, one of the most aggressive governors in the country as far as how active he was before we even had a lot of, a lot of cases in the country or in the state. Um, so it's, it's really a matter of which, which media outlet you look at, but you're starting to see, you know, Governor Bashir actually put in today at 8 p.m. all, it used to be all non-essential businesses had to close, and now he changed it to all non-life-sustaining businesses have to close tonight, um, March 26th at 8 p.m. So that's going to put a hamper on a lot of businesses um, around our, across the Commonwealth of Kentucky. So I'm, I'm interested to see what, you know, what kind of, of major impact it's going to play. So you're starting to see a lot of companies that are laying people off left and right. So I'm interested to see what this closing of all non-life essential businesses is going to do for the, for the state. So as you're, as you're seeing this, and if you don't mind me asking, of course, you're, you've seen this starting as of today, have they given a timeline for how long they'll be closed for, or they're closing it down for? It's, it's said indefinitely. Uh, most of the actions that the governor has been taking has kind of been in two week increments. And that's kind of a, an unofficial terminology, I guess you could say it, it doesn't really come out and say that, but usually about every two weeks he'll update his protocol. So I'm, I'm foreseeing just them you know, kind of sticking with that and going, you know, in two weeks we'll hear another update, but I don't, I don't foresee that getting let up anytime soon, in my opinion. Okay. And the reason, and let's kind of go through a couple of things because I want to make reference to this to the audience. Of course, you are a PhD student. This is why I'm asking some of these questions directly like this. So sure. I just want to make sure that people are aware of that. Not just to me and you would just kind of sit here going, ah, what do you think? Right. Where's the ball? Just to, just to be okay with that. I mean, right now, before I actually jumped on, I want to say that they were saying that the unemployment, that there was 3.2 million and change people that had filed for unemployment. So if this is what you're seeing in Kentucky, I'm wondering what how this is going to impact going forward in regards to they start closing non-crucial businesses. Because, I mean, let's just be realistic. That essential business list that they have open, it covers quite a few things. Right. I mean, I was looking at one last night, and one of them even had a liquor store, like liquor stores. And I was like, <laughs> okay, I can understand from being locked up for a period of time, you might not want to kill someone, so the liquor might help. But <laughs> right. I don't know if that's really essential. <laughs> yeah, I, I kind of wanted the same when I saw that list as well. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I was kind of kind of trying to figure out where they're, where they're going with that. But, yeah, it's it's – there's quite a few businesses and, and what I've seen is a lot of businesses that are they're they're trying to find loopholes to where they can stay up and running. Um, mm-hmm. They're trying to find loopholes to where to say that they're supporting uh, some of the critical infrastructure, which some of them are, some of them are not, but they're trying their best. I've seen a, co- a lot of companies try to do their best to find that loophole so that they can stay up and running at whatever cost it may be. Well, I mean, it's some very interesting times and in some of the stuff that's going on because you're seeing a lot of people being laid off, but with and they're saying, okay, you're being laid off. This way you can file for unemployment, which that's understood. But then you have to look state to state because each state's a little bit different in what percentage of your income you're potentially going to get. I was speaking to somebody from um, Nevada a few days ago and they had referenced that Nevada was only 4% of your total of your total income, which that's not really going to put you in a very good spot. I mean, I guess something's better than nothing. Right. But the other thing that most people are forgetting about is that automatically when you get laid off, you lose health benefits yep. or any kind of benefits that you have. So how are you looking at this? And I know that we're kind of going a little bit generic in general on some of the conversation, but what are you seeing there? Do you, 
are you noticing some of these very odd things on how this now with universal healthcare? And I know this can almost become a political rant, so I want to be very, very careful right. on how I go here. But it almost seems like it's a necessity to an extent. I mean, I think it's really weird because this is the opportunity for people to go to the to the ballot box. And I've said this on some of the other shows where you can vote if you're in the Democratic Party, where you have the opportunity of actually voting for a guy who wants universal health care or <laughs> and the other guy that's kind of open to the idea. And of course, you know, we have some people that are already in the White House that have their own idea on how things are done. And I'm not saying one's good, one's wrong. But what are your thought process on the whole thing? Yeah, it's it's kind of like you said, the, I think I was reading this morning that the the total unemployment was like four times the previous record um, that they had for un- total unemployment cases. So it, I don't think the country as a whole in general, I know some, you know, it's, it's different from side to side, but I, I don't think we were ready as far as looking at all the indirect been in, indirect um, effects of this pandemic. And like you, like you mentioned with the healthcare cost and, you know, you can get Cobra to the to extent that you can, and they're passing, they're slowly passing some of these these legislative legislative uh, executive orders to where you know you can get extra extra sick days, and the government will reimburse you at the end of the year or reimburse the company at the end of the year. Um, but yeah, it's it's not a it's it's not something I don't think that we were properly prepared for from a company standpoint or from a country as a whole. Like I said, it's it's very site to site, um, but I know they are a, a lot of a lot of organizations and companies are giving people the option to um, defer some of the payments. You know, you see a lot of on social media and on the news or where, you know, landlords are, are deferring payments for rent for companies and, and allowing them to use that to pay their employees. But even with, you know, student loans and all these other different things, they're allowing you to, to defer that, you know, that payment for, you know, different types of different periods, you know, one month, two months, three months, whatever it may be so that you can pay off the essentials. So, like you said, you're you're losing your your um, employer benefits, so you're losing that that portion that they're paying, and so it's. But a lot of people don't realize how much it actually costs out of pocket. So, you know, you're not realizing that your company's paying for, you know, thirty, forty, fifty percent cost of your health insurance, and you're even though you're paying sometimes it seems like a lot. That's usually about half the cost. So, I mean, it's definitely a definitely a big impact that I don't think a lot of people were adequately prepared for and that's and that's what they're all scrambling for is they're you know they're filing unemployment and luckily they're they're waiving that that grace period to where you can you know have to wait and they're waiving all the you know the the requirements where you have to go out and look for jobs they're waiving a lot of those requirements to where you can get your unemployment quicker and of course the you know the stimulus is going through the house right now trying to get that passed so hopefully that'll help but i mean like you mentioned with the the one state that has four percent you know, benefits. I mean, that's, that's not a whole lot. It's better than nothing, but it's, it's, it's really not a lot. So I think people are going to start within an upcoming weeks really setting in. And, and that's, you know, I made a post on, on LinkedIn, I think it was yesterday or the day before to where companies are needing to look at the psychological first aid aspect of things. You know, we're, we're taking into consideration the, the business aspect, how do we keep the business up and running? And also, how do we keep our employees from being infected and, and passing on, you know, maybe being asymptomatic carriers of the COVID-19 and passing on to somebody else? But also, what are we doing to, you know, help comfort and, and calm our employees and, and reassure them and take care of that psychological first aid? This is The Jay Allen Show. Have you learned about a human and organizational performance and you wanted more? Well, now is your chance. 
Fisher Improvement Technologies is conducting an advanced HOP practitioner workshop. Now is your opportunity to learn these advanced hop techniques in this two-day workshop that is designed to give leaders the ability to understand and manage integrations of advanced error reduction in organizations, also known as error. Participants are provided with multiple experiential learning opportunities to ensure they can use the information in their day-to-day interactions. For more information, go to arrowhp.com. That is A-E-R-O-H-P. .com and click on the link that says open enrollment. And we are back on the Jay Allen show on Safety FM. It, it, I think you almost knew exactly what I was going to ask you next because that's exactly <laughs> where I wanted to go because you being a safety director at an organization, that's what I was wondering. What are your people thinking about the things that are going on? What effect is it having psychologically on them? And then what is going on with them? Are they thinking about, you know, the different things that are that are going on? And then what happened? Or have you guys had to lay some people off? Or if you're not allowed to talk about it, I understand that too. Sure. Yeah. It's it's really so I oversee the EHS departments for five operating companies across the country. And it's it really varies from site to site. We've got some guys that's that completely blow it off and they're giving you the excuse that it's, you know, it's just the flu, it's not a big deal. Um and then there's other guys that are that are literally worried for their jobs or worried for their families and everything else. You know, it's, I mean, there's companies that are laying off people left and right in, in our, my community um, and, you know, in, in other states as well. So what we're doing is we're just constantly, you know, staying in complete contact with them and saying, Hey, you know, it's going to get tough. It's going to get, it's going to get worse before it gets better. But, you know, we're here for you. Of course, our company and a lot of companies as well like this have, you know, the employee assistance programs, EAPs um, offered through the HR department. A lot of companies have that and don't utilize that, but it's a great resource that they can do that with. But I mean, simply checking in on guys, you know, I went into the shop the other day, just went out to the shop and talked to the guys that, you know, I've been working from home for several weeks, but just going out there and talking to them for a little bit and, you know, still keeping my six foot social distance. But, um, Go out and talk to them, just ask them how everything's going, and you know they, you know they'll tell you. So hey, it's it's good to see a good to see you around, or good to see a face once in a while, and, and actually talk about these things. You know, my philosophy is is you know a lot of people have the same one is you know don't sugarcoat it. If it's I'm very transparent when it comes to safety, um, health, safety, environment, or whatever it may be, I'm I'm 100 transparent. So if if it's if it's bad out there, I'll I'll, I'll let you know, and you're going to know my stance on it. If it's good, then I'll let you know that as well. So that's my, my stance is, you know, be honest with them. Um, you know, I learned that back from my days in EMS is, you know, if you, uh, if we had a patient, uh, when I was working in EMS, if we had a patient that, you know, was in a grave situation, you know, they were having cardiac arrest or whatever it may be a, a pretty serious situation. The one thing I was taught from the very beginning was never to tell the family that it's going to be okay. Uh, always, you know, tell them something and, you know, we're doing everything we can, we're doing the best we can. They're in good hands. But if you tell them everything's going to be okay and that person passes away, they're losing trust for you from you for the, from the get go. Um, so I kind of take that approach from from our workplace, the safety standpoint as well, is is reassure them with the action that you're taking. Um, you know, be honest with them. Tell them if it's if it's if you think it's going to get worse, or if the governor, or the president said this, this, or this. You know, let them know what's going on. Um, now, of course, there are some things that you uh, you may need to withhold just to keep from overwhelming them. But, you know, dealing with pandemics in the past, I mean, it's, 
you know, you want your people to be uh, informed as much as possible. You know, just kind of getting back to the to the fire and EMS days was, you know, when we had the Ebola outbreak. Of course, <laughs> there wasn't a lot of people that were infected with Ebola in the U.S., but we made some runs on people that thought they had it, and that was the one thing that they, you know, probably the top thing I heard from patients that we responded to was, you know, I wish I had more information on what it was so I wouldn't worry so much. So that's that's probably the biggest thing is just, um, you know, making sure your employees are informed with, with accurate information. So I, I try to tell the guys everywhere I go, I said, you know, don't, <laughs> I say, pick, pick who you're listening to, which media sources you're listening to and make sure it's a reputable source because, you know, you know, just as well as I do, some media sources will blow things out of proportion and then get people off the hyped up as much as they can. So it's, it's really a toss up as, as far as where you go. So like I said, some people take it seriously and they're worried for families, worried about losing their jobs. And then other people are just, you know, they completely blow it off. And they say, well, it's just a flu, but you know, we all know it's not. So. So what are you what are you thinking overall, if you don't mind me asking, of course, having the EMT background of where they're saying, OK, you can go stand in line. And I'm not talking about the car lines. I'm talking about where you go physically stand in line to get tested to see if you have it or not. Do you think this is a good idea or a bad idea based on your previous experience? I mean, as long as you're doing your social distancing, I mean, that that portion of it's fine. Um, my concern is it gets into uh, having enough tests, which most of the places are not going to test you unless you check all the boxes on the criteria. If you have all the symptoms, you're around somebody that was traveling to an area that may have had it, or, you know, they were treating somebody that may have had it. Most places that are doing this, this testing in line, they'll make sure you're, you're checking all the boxes. Now there, of course there is a risk that you, you know, sometimes contract it. And that's, you know, that's one thing that I've kind of the philosophy that I've lived off of is you can make all these rules and policies, administrative controls, you know, do your six foot social distancing, wash your hands, but you have to plan for people not to follow that. Uh, you know, you're not going to get a hundred percent compliance with every single policy. So you have to plan for people not to follow those guidelines. And somebody's, somebody's going to get within six feet. Somebody's going to cough and not cover their mouth or whatever it may be. Um, so you have to plan for that. So with these, I think it's, I think it's good to keep, if they're doing it in a clinic setting or an outside setting, you know, I've seen, you know, on the news, a lot of people that were um, doing it, basically they drive up in their car and get tested. You know, the, the medical professionals will roll their window down and do the test right there on the site. Um, that's not as bad, but I think a big benefit of that is they're keeping these patients out of the ER so that the ERs can focus more on the life-threatening situations, people that actually need care rather than doing, um, some of the basic triage and things that maybe could have been done, taken care of by a normal physician. Well, and I have to bring this up because the, the reason why I asked the question is like in the area that I'm currently in, the convention center is opening up or has opened up where they're doing tests and they're making people stand in line. And of course, if you're 65 or older, you kind of guarantee that you're going to get a test. Right. If you're 40, 40 or younger, and I don't know what the hell happens between 41 to, to 64, but that's <laughs> other story um but if you're 40 and younger then they kind of make you go through a whole checklist scenario right um that's the reason why i asked the question now if you don't mind me asking what's going on with the schooling right now i know that you're a student for a phd or have they actually moved all your stuff your coursework to online or what's taking place right now yeah so so my courses are online already but they have i've been getting notification emails from the college as, as well on their in-person classes and they've moved all of those to online i know all of the at least here in kentucky all the major um, educational facilities, you know, University of Kentucky, Louisville, Western Kentucky, all the big, the big universities, colleges have moved to online. Um, and I have a, a daughter that's in elementary school and they're out 
at least until April 20th. Um, that was the governor's order. But honestly, I don't foresee them going back to, you know, I don't, I don't foresee them going back the rest of the year just because of how much they've missed already. Um, now you're talking about the school year or are you talking about like the rest of the school year? So yeah, I was like, Whoa. Yeah, no, 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 no. They're out till April 20th. So they have, you know, right around a month left in the whole school year um, to begin with. So I don't, I don't foresee them just because of the situation that's continuously rising. We're, we're getting more cases. I think, I think in Kentucky, we've got probably close to 150 give or take cases right now confirmed. Um, and I think last night we had like 30, 30 some odd cases in a 24 hour period that were confirmed. So we're, we're starting to get a, a major increase in hours. So I don't, I don't foresee personally um, our elementary school systems and, you know, the grade school systems going back the rest of the school year. Um, I would say that the universities and colleges will, you know, will stay with the online system. So like I said, mine, mine was online to begin with, but you know, they have, they'd already transitioned to that as well. And I've, I've talked to a few students that were doing in, in-person classroom um, courses at you know at Western Kentucky and Eastern Kentucky, and they're you know if they've never done online courses, they're struggling with trying to transition to that. So uh, that's that just adds to the stress factor again. On top of that, this is the Jay Allen Show. Wanted to tell you about something special that we have coming up. This will actually be taking place on April the first at three o'clock Eastern Time on Safety FM. Welcome to a special presentation of a campfire talk featuring Bob Edwards, Mark Easton, Todd Conklin, and hosted by Jay Allen, exclusively on Safety FM. And we are back on the Jay Allen Show on Safety FM. So what is your degree in, if you, or that you're going for, if you don't mind, your doctorate, better saying? Yeah, so I'm going for my PhD in occupational health and safety. Okay. So as you're as you're doing this, what's what was your original projection on graduation? Um, if you don't mind me asking, of course, that's a lot of putting a lot of pressure. You now all these people are going to know this. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm planning on graduating either the end of 2021 or like January 2022. So within the next year and a half or so is is the goal. <laughs> now, is this going to change what your dissertation was going to be about? No, um, my dissertation is going to be the same. I, I mean, I, I thought about doing something about all this this pandemic issue, um, but I'm actually going to be doing a, a dissertation on the um, impairment effects or lack thereof on on CBD products within safety sensitive workers. So, and there's not been a whole lot of studies on that. So I'm going to try to figure out one way or the other. You know, this might be a, a good time to start using, but that's a whole other thing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. So what? So. As we have this conversation, we kind of talk a little bit about everything here. And I know we're trying to make some of this light, and it's a very difficult time to do this. What are you seeing as some of the biggest things that are coming out of this in regards to what having an impact to your day in and day out work? I know that you you were saying that your people want want you to be honest and upfront on what's going on, but what are you seeing as our well, let's just call it what it is. What we do for a living, how it's in, how it's having such a huge impact. I did see a post that you were actually going back and forth on earlier this morning about how some of the first people that are let go of, and this was somebody else's post, yeah. um, that some of the first things that people let go of is the is a safety position. So, how can you tell the people that are in our in our little niche of work? on that that won't be the case or what can you tell them to almost give some kind of assurance or is that something that's not even there at this particular point? I mean, honestly, I wish I could say, I wish that I could say there was assurance from, 
across the board, but it's really going to be a site specific. It depends on your, your safety culture. Um, you know, I've worked at different companies and you'll, you'll come into companies and see safety cultures completely relaxed. They don't, you know, they don't value safety. They want to, uh, you know, put safety on the back of somebody else in the company and let them share responsibilities. And you have somebody that says, Hey, I want, I want a safety here on the, on the forefront. And that is our top priority. That is our core value. And we're going to honor that. Um, you know, my, my recommendation is do as much from a safety standpoint. If you're, if you're in a professional safety professional role right now, do as much research and studying on from reliable sources that you can to increase your preparedness. You know, even if you have cases in your area or cases in your County and you're on, you know, shelter in place orders, you can still start looking to see what trends are happening and figure out what's what's possibly going to come in the future so that you can let your employee, your employer be aware of, of what actions may be coming. So that's that's the big point is you want to make your employer, you have to make them see your value and what you're bringing to the table. You know, if they think that it's just something anybody else can do, then yes, you, you know, you may be one of those people that are cut. Um, and, you know, like, like the, the LinkedIn post this morning, you know, it's, 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 it's sad and unfortunate that there are companies out there that will, you know, safety is the first one to cut, but I mean, just like everything else, this is a, it's a technical, technical field that has specialized expertise, you know, engineers, you know, I wouldn't want an engineer to be doing safety and I wouldn't want safety to be doing engineering and, and so on and so forth. You know, sometimes you can, you know, intertwine and, and bounce ideas off each other and help each other out. Um, but it's really like, a, it's a fine tuned niche that, that we do. So, I think the biggest point is that you have to, you know, basically brag on yourself. And I mean, for lack of better terms, but show what you're bringing to the table, show your worth and really, I mean, really bust your butt in the, in these times. So this is a pandemic that, you know, of this capacity, you know, not a lot of people is going to be able to say that they've experienced that and actually had a, uh, you know, a, a hand in trying to plan it out, prepare for it and react to it, you know, moving forward we can say we're being proactive if we ever have another one like this again hopefully we don't um but we have to make sure we're using this as a learning experience and, you know the, the company that i work for we've got you know operating companies across the united states from you know alaska to florida to new york and everywhere in between so one of the things we all we all share with insight to sight is looking at you know what's going on in washington what's going on in new york city what's going on here so that we can understand the, the loopholes, we can understand the things that are working for them, the things that are not working for them, and try to apply that. So, uh, you know, yesterday we had um, the uh, Coffee County in Kansas, is, which is where my actual employer is at. They, they issued a shelter in place, you know, stay at home order for all non-essential, you know, non-essential visits. So our guys will still be working because we, we do support the critical infrastructure um, but I mean, that's taking a, that's taking a big impact on that. So it's especially within the safety field. Yes, we can do a lot from home and, you know, I, myself, I've been working from home for several weeks now, but when you, when you disappear from the office, when you disappear from the field, you know, the field service sites and you're, they're not seeing you as much, it, it does decrease the morale a little bit to your employees. And, you know, I say a little bit for my, for my company, you know, it may be a lot for others, but it does decrease the morale when they're saying, Hey, I have to come to work. Why is this guy getting to stay at home for two or three weeks or whatever? And you know, I haven't seen him in a month. So that's why I try to come in and, you know, every now and then and just come in and just spend some little time. Like I said, keeping that social distancing, but talk to the guys, just let them know, 
hey, I know I'm not here in the office, but I'm, you know, I'm just a phone call away, text me, whatever it may be. You know, if you need something, I'm, you know, I live six minutes away from my workplace. So, you know, I always emphasize, hey, if you need something, you know, I can be there right away. So what would be the best advice you could give to a safety professional right now in regards of how to be able to handle this? And I'm not talking about what they need to do at work. I mean, just handling from the standpoint of the things that you're seeing being as you oversee so many different sites. Right. My biggest thing is to really reach out to um, your local your local departments, your local health department. Um, if you have a good con- connection and communication with your uh, local hospital, local medical facility, uh, that's that's something I've been blessed with and having having several connections within the medical field just because I came from the medical field so I can have the luxury of talking with physicians and everything else. But that's probably the biggest thing is to reach out to your local local authorities, your health department, your hospitals that if they can. Some people may, you know, defer you away because they're too busy, but just really stay in touch with them and, and um, try to figure out a, a building rela- build a relationship with them. Like I said, some people were wanting to send people to the hospital um, from the first sign of symptom that, you know, it may be just a flu and they want to send them to get tested. Figure out what your hospital, figure out what your health department's recommendations are at your local area, figure out what they want to do. So if they say, hey, you have to have these four symptoms and this all these criteria, communicate that to your employees so that they know, you know, what's what's recommended. If you have this, then you're going to self-quarantine at home. If you have this, then we'll send you to the hospital to get, to get tested out. Um, but as far as a, you know, like I said, with a safety professional, it's just really about reaching out to as many resources as you can. And, and LinkedIn, that's the, only, that's the only form of social media I have is LinkedIn. But it's a great resource. I mean, it, you know, if people that don't have it, uh, you know, it's, it's a great place to network. Even if you're just bouncing ideas off somebody across the country, you know, you basically, you may find out something that's, you know, maybe you weren't aware of. Um, but again, just especially we're looking from state to state or even city to city within your state, just look at those trends and what's going on to figure out where, where your area may be heading. Now, Drew, if people want to find more information out about you, you kind of already answered it, but I'll ask for you to give the plug to your own, <laughs> to your own LinkedIn page, I guess, for them to actually be able to follow you. Sure. Yeah. Just go to LinkedIn and you know, my name is Drew Hinton, H-I-N-T-O-N, and you can find me on there. Um, and I'll be more than, more than happy to, you know, answer any questions or help out or give you some guidance. You know, I'm not, I'm, I tell everybody from the get go, I don't claim to know everything, but if I don't know something, I'll, I'll find an answer at least points in the right direction to somebody that does have the answer so I can help out as much as possible. You're, and you're not maxed out on, and on connections or anything like that where they'll just have to be able to follow, right? Just want to double check. Not yet. <laughs> But not yet. Okay. Well, Drew, let's do this because I know that, you know, kind of some strange times. I would love to have you back on at some point where we can have a normal conversation where it's not just related to COVID-19 and just cover some information with the audience and what's going on in your world. I really do appreciate you coming on to the show. Absolutely. I appreciate it. Well, this brings another episode of the Jay Allen Show to an end. I appreciate Drew Hinton taking the time today to have the discussion with us. We'll be back with another episode of the Jay Allen Show before you know it. Take care of yourself for the time being. Goodbye for now. The more you listen, the more we get into your head. Safety FM. Wondering how you can show your love? Head over now to Facebook and drop a like. 
The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen. Real world as the only solution available, as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise, without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.